Deborah Maris, your host of Stand Out and Grow. I want to help your business stand out, survive, succeed, and grow. Building your business is really, really hard. And knowing what marketing and advertising tools you need to help you become successful is extremely confusing. After 30 years of working with thousands of businesses, I am here to help you make good business decisions. I want to help you understand the programs that are available to you so that you can stand out, survive, succeed, and grow. So let's get started. Hello. Uh, Welcome to my live Stand Out and Grow podcast. Thank you for joining me today. If you are joining me live, please make sure you drop a note in the comments. Let me know where you're tuning in from. And if you're joining me via rebroadcast or repurpose, however you want to say it, whatever word you want to use, then just put the R word and let me know uh, where you're tuning in from. If you have any questions for me or my special guests, then uh, also leave those in the comments, even after, if you're if you're on the rebroadcast, even after the show. So please make sure you leave uh, the, lo- those questions in the comments. I would love to uh, come back and circle around and, and hear any of your qu- questions or comments. Okay, so um, I have a very special guest today. I actually met Merrill um, via LinkedIn. He is a fantastic person. I was very impressed by our conversation. And as I got to know him a little better, I began to learn about overcoming adversity. And um, Merrill has a great story to tell. He's written a couple of books. And uh, a little bit about him is... Um, he uh, will help us uncover the power of, you know, find a way mentally to overcome adversity and achieve success, which I love. That's a great uh, kind of a synopsis of what he's going to bring to the table. He is a formal, former sorry, uh, NFL player and a current uh, ESPN an analyst. How exciting. I feel so privileged to be in his presence. Uh, but he is also known for his find a way philosophy, which helped him overcome obstacles and uh, throughout his life, including cancer, heart, open heart surgery, and a family tragedy. So I am so excited to bring Merrill. Merrill, you're going to have to tell me if I'm bitch butchering your name. <laughs> How are you? Cat, I'm great. It's actually awesome. Merrill. You try okay, to that's like, what I thought. You remember, okay. you, you remember the commercial uh, Merrill Lynch, Bullish on yeah. America, Breed Apart? Thank you. There it is. That's, that's a great way to put it right there. Awesome. Um, okay. So NFL player, ESPN um, analyst, which is awesome. These are great uh, titles to have. But I think the best one is what you're doing as a motivational speaker. And as an author, and if you could give everybody who is tuning in a little background about you and, you know, what brought you to where you're at today. Well, you know, Kat, I guess I could, it it all stems from actually sitting in a chemotherapy chair. That's where this, everything started from me writing a book to uh, eventually speaking. I'm not in a, let me tell you what, if you backed up way before that in high school or college and at some point in everybody's life they're always asked what are you going to do what are you going to be this would not be a one thing that i 
would say I was going to do. Speaking, no. Writing a book, never. But I go back to sitting in a chemotherapy chair. A friend of mine um, had hired a film crew to document one of my treatments because my treatments were about 14 hours long. They're they're a brutal treatment. But after treatment, if my staff worked at a basketball game afterward, I'd go play basketball and then would do what I would do every other morning before I got my kids ready for their day. I'd work out. And he's like, he goes, how do you do what? And he's like, well, I got to document that. But I will tell you this, when we were doing the document uh, that day, and we had a film, we had two chairs, we were just going back and forth. I was sharing things with him. um, And one of those was how Find A Way had really, those words had changed the course of my mindset and my thought process and my journey as a kid. Um, I had a wall of cork my dad built me for in my bedroom that I used to put my goals on all the time. Yeah. And those words find a way um, have always inspired action. And um, the best way to sum things up, though, is, you know, I've found great success when I play. I, I learned a lot about success when I played in the National Football League. Uh, I learned a lot about success in 21 years in the National, I mean, at ESPN. And I've learned a lot about success in the platform that I I speak on. Um, yeah. But I've also learned a lot about success after going into cardiac arrest, being in intensive care, having to learn how to read again and going through major depression. And I've learned a lot about success sitting in a chemotherapy chair. And I've learned a lot about success going through an open heart surgery. And from that perspective is what um, I speak on and being able to share that with people but the goal is to get people to realize of their amazing strengths and the great tool that we all have, if just used right and used for you versus against you, which is your mind, there's really nothing that is not possible. And that's what I, why I try to leave with people is when I go on a stage at the end, I get, I get back to what I, I'm only doing this message. The reason I do it, because I know it's possible for people. And because I found so much hope in people, so many people have inspired me, so many people have challenged me and to be able to share a few of those stories and experiences with those people and getting people to understand their strengths, they're in charge, um, what their abilities are is really what really inspires me the most about being able to have that opportunity to stand on a stage. Yeah. And I think that's fantastic. And, you know, um, I, you know, it's unfortunate that of the things that, you know, you had to endure, but I think the, probably the best thing is in um, the messaging is that you have learned a way to overcome adversity, right? And you're now sharing those stories with people so that they also can learn to overcome adversity. And at the end of the day, you know, Lots of people have adversity. I think the biggest problem, especially with social media, is, you know, we all put our best, best out there. Always, you know, we put our best. And I had this conversation with someone else the other day. And we don't understand and know that there are problem underlying problems, you know, behind all of that. And people just put the best out there so that that's what they want the world to see, you know. And uh, yeah. Sometimes, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, Kat, you know, I, um, and I think that's important, you know, to always, you know, find, find success in things. But like I, I mean, most of my successes, or at least half of them, 
have been in the face of what would be considered tragedy. You know, um, right. you know, I mentioned, you know, a lot of great inspiration came from sitting in a chemotherapy chair. Um, yep. Now, listen, I, um, through that battle, I mean, I was, you know, I called it, the, you know, that's, there's the uh, people who have had these type of um, diagnosis, they will always remember that day. Yep. And almost all of them will refer to that's not the only ba- day that's bad. Okay. The, I call it the dark days of diagnosis. It was just one after another, after another, that old day sitting in the chemotherapy chair, having that film crew was not a good day for me. It was one yeah. of my darkest days. But what I try to get um, help people with is, you know, in every situation or circumstance that comes to us, we can find success in that journey. There might be value in that yep. journey and that experience. And had I not had cancer, and this is an honest truth, I am not doing this podcast with you right now because I'm not alive anymore. And that's because um, the pet cat scans that I had to do after my treatment for several years, for five years afterwards, um, they discovered a defect in my aorta that would have never been discovered unless you did a pet cat. And the only way you do pet cats is when you know you have something severely wrong or they're trying to identify things like cancer. Well, I mean, like a stress test would never have done that. Yep. Yep. You have to do an echocardio to really look at the heart. And usually you have to have some type of symptom or issue that you're dealing with or history to do that, which I had none of that. And my aorta defect was actually self-inflicted. Um, and they find a lot, a lot in power lifters. They find a lot in athletes. And that is just a self-inflicted thing where you've just pushed your, pushed yourself too much, you know, I and I'd, I'd stress that aorta so much based on how I trained that it had enlarged, but yep. had they not had, had I not had cancer, I wouldn't have. So, you know, as brutal as it was, um, I don't ever want to do it again. I don't wish it on anybody without it. I'm probably not here. Well, actually, I'm no. not here. Cause I, I asked my hope and heart surgeon. Yep. Um, after, after uh, I, I had surgery on Monday, he came in on Friday when I was um, on Thursday night, excuse me, cause I was leaving Friday morning. And I just happened to ask him, you know, well, Hey, like when have I, when would I have probably kind of got a symptom or had something notify me that I should, I got a problem. He said, the only way, only time you'd have found out, only time we would have um, figured you out is in your autopsy. You ain't having wow. no symptom. Wow. Wow. He said it had a rupture and it had been over. Yep. I was like, yep. oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And that's when really the clarity of it all, you know, and the experience yep. of it all, um, I've garnered a lot of success in those, in those difficult times too. And it's, um, I always ask people this when I speak, you know, the key to all of this is do you control your mind or does your mind control you? And that's the challenge that like everybody's go like, listen, the, the brain is the most powerful tool on this planet. Okay. I don't care what supercomputer that you have. You can times it by 10 and this right here oh, yeah. between our two ears you have, I have everybody who's watching this has, can consume more information and more data than that. The And then the ability to make it work for you, it's really a simple tool. It's a simple exercise. Um, it's, it's the ability to feed yourself positive things on a consistent daily basis. Yeah. Now, that could be done simply by putting, I, I still have a gold board. It sits over there. I've had a gold board since I was 12 years old. Okay. But it's a great way to keep yourself in check and on and in charge of where you're going. Like you listen, all these phones, everybody's doing this on right now. Okay. This is, this is one advantage to a phone. 
Yeah. Because you have a screen, a screensaver. You can write something on in that screensaver because you're going to see that how many times a day. Every time you hit your phone, you write down something that you're trying to do, trying to be, or maybe dealing with or trying to change and write it in a powerful manner that works for you. You do that. You see that on a consistent basis. You feed your mind those type of thoughts. That's what really transforms your your powers. It's that so many times we leave let the negatives um, overcome us and consume us more than the positive. We're in charge of that. We're in charge of how we want to feed ourselves, what we want to um, get put ourselves around, what environment we want ourselves around, what people you want yourself around. And so you're in charge of that. That's part of my message too. The people I don't want to, I want them to realize they're in charge. You're responsible for all this. That's the power in all of it. The things that you put yourself around, what you look at every day, what you feed yourself every day. And when we do that, we train the brain. So you, so you have the choice to train your brain any way you want. You can train, train it to go negative or you can train it to go positive. And that's a powerful thing, but you're in charge of that. And when you exercise those things, I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight and you're not going to start putting something up on a wall and you look at it every morning and every day for two days and you change. That's not the case. But over time, you do that. It becomes a powerful tool and then it's applied to anything and everything. It doesn't just go to you know a goal. You can go to actually everything in your life and it transforms that. And just to get people to recognize those strengths and powers that, that they possess, and that they have the ability to it. And when they recognize that too, when I get done speaking, if I have somebody come up, which happens most of the time when I yep. talk to people, they start telling that me about them. If I hear about them, then I have done my job. If I hear about me, I've done a bad job. It's right. not about me. It's really about them and that they see the difference and they see how, oh, you know what? Uh, yeah, yeah, you know what? I, I, I see that, That's, that sparked me today. I am going to do that. I am going to try that. You know, and I do see what you're saying. I did that one time, then I got away from it. And you know what? I did this for that. So when I see that, that that's what it's about is being okay. able to get people to recognize those type of things. Yeah. I think you kind of mentioned this to me, but I'm just going to reiterate it because uh, I think it's valid to mention it here. Was the Find A Way book written as you were going through chemo or after the fact? Was, was that a, an occurrence that happened that perpetuated what you're you're doing now is that what happened yeah, well yeah so I, I mentioned the chemotherapy chair you know i was sitting in my buddy charlie the valley was there grilling me well he's the one who challenges me to write the book okay and, I, and honestly at that on that day cat i was I, I turned to him i said listen charlie um i'll write your dumb book and that's almost how i said it if i survive because yep. i'll tell you on that day there was not writing a book was not a priority like yep. surviving was a priority and I didn't know if I was going to survive. And it was not a good day. It was a tough day. And I, and I really let it go. You know, I didn't say anything about it. I didn't even think about it. And a year almost to the day, he called me up. He said, remember that promise you made me? And, I, and actually, I was like, then it hit me. I was like, oh, man, that book. I'm like, ah. <laughs> now, listen, I, uh, on my, my senior year, my final paper, I don't even remember what class it was. <laughs> I, spelled, I spelled because wrong 36 times in this paper. I yep. spelled it B-E-C-O-U-S-E. Okay. How is somebody going to write because wrong? going to write a book? I was like, <laughs> I was like, which should get everybody hope you can write a book. If I can write a book, you can write a book. Okay. Um, but, you know, he cha- actually, so I, I accepted the challenge. Um, I did it. And that took me five years. That wasn't okay. easy. 
Okay. That was not that that is not like, you know, um now I needed like I said, I was not I'm not a writer. I needed a ghostwriter. I needed somebody to help me. But help, finding somebody that understood my message that it wasn't about football. Yep. But but football's in it. I mean, yeah. it can't it can't help but being in it. It's been, you know, a third of my life, um or half my life to this point. Or which, you know, it's a big part of my life, but it's not about football. It just has football in it. And I couldn't it was hard for me to find people that understood that um and once i finally found the guy that did and he did he understood it so well um we were off and running but it took a long time to find that guy nice nice that's awesome and you know it takes a special relationship especially when you have someone who's going to yeah. help you write something that intense you know because uh you're right you have to have that click you gotta they, they have to understand you know what you're going through um Okay. And then, so as for anybody that's tuning in, what's the premise of the book, Find a Way? I mean, I understand that you have, you talk about the tragedy and stuff. Well, you know, it says find a way. I actually, I start off when I speak, I'm find a way has helped me live a dream and fight to live and a lot of in between. Um, uh, you know, I find a way started and, and really stim was stimulating those words when I, when I put the first goal up of, uh, as a kid to, to play in the national football league, that's where it all started. Um, yes, it helped me when I fought through chemotherapy and open heart surgery and my, uh, being in a, an intensive care and trying, you know, going through depression to have to learn to read again and working through that arduous process. But it's the in-between stuff that, um, I, I'm most excited about to this day. Um, like being a parent, um, like I've always said, if, if you have kids, then being a parent will be the greatest leadership role that you ever are a part of. I don't care what Fortune 500 company you lead. It is not more important than being a parent. And Find a Way has been a parenting tool. So, like, I have used that for my kids. Like, my kids come to me in my office at any age. Even mm -hmm. this, my kids are 27 and 29 now. I mean, and they, I get called all the time from them. And... Okay, well, I'm 58. So, I mean, at 28 and 29, even though there's experience, or 27 and 29, you, you have experiences, but you, you know, there's things I've experienced that they haven't, that they have questions on. But yeah, it was more, it, it started, it probably, I share this one story because it crystallized the importance of it for me. Now, it's a parenting tool. That's how it started, but it has evolved into a coaching tool. I've taken it to coaching every level of, of, of sports and, and kids from eight to 18. I mean, I really eight to 38. And even in the business world, it, it's a, it's a business tool, but it started as a parenting tool. And that tool is this. I judge my kids in the yardsticks of their years and not mine. What that has given me at all times is patience and perspective. And People that have had kids, um, that have kids, this this will be understandable um, and, and relatable. My son was five years old. He comes home. He wants to get all these uh, socks his buddies have. So we go to Dick's. We buy three pair, $3.99 each. We come home. He's in the backyard. He's playing with his friends. I walk through the kitchen. Um, they've been out there 15 minutes. I look out, and oh, my gosh, he's got his shoes off, running around his socks I bought for five ninety. I mean, $3.99. Okay. Well, what is my first thought? Three ninety nine. My second thought, grass stains. My second thought, holes. Yeah. Yep. Well, I can't. I can't get to the door fast enough. Right. Because now I grab that doorknob. Yardsticks of his years, <laughs> not mine. Patience and perspective come over me. 
Yep. I opened the door to a five-year-old and I said, Hey, Bo, come here. Bo comes running over. I said, son, why would you be running around in socks that you, I just bought for three ninety nine? He said, well, you, dad, I'm faster. And I'm like, ah, well, I've been there. I was a kid too. <laughs> you take your socks, your shoes off, you run around, you think you're faster. That's not true. And so I said, well, actually, that's really not true. I go, just take your sock off. Let me show you something. So I flip it around and I show yep. him grass stains, no holes. Cause I caught him quick enough. I said, actually, you're, you're slower because when your shoes come off, your, your socks have no traction and you slide on the grass. But if you want to be faster, when you take your shoes off, just take those socks off. I bought for three ninety nine, and then you will be faster, son. And he's like, really dad. He's like, yeah, off Bo goes. I never see Bo again, run around the socks. I just bought for three ninety nine. That is great. Yardsticks yard of his years, not mine. Age 35. Versus five. Now, is it normal for a 35-year-old to go out and run around without his shoes on? No. Right. A five-year-old is very normal. And yeah. it's very common for them to do it. But it's just it was just a reminder of me of just how, how power perspective and patience are. You know, and even in the business world. You know, I, I, I do a thing on leadership and I and I use find a way in the in the business world. Patience and perspective are good from uh, a business perspective. Shoot, if you've had a company, you've been in there for 30 years, and then you hire somebody, they've been here 30 days, and they make some mistakes or do something. Uh, well, they've been here 30 days, you've been here 30 years, because you might be like, wait a minute. But it gives you a different perspective on how yep. you approach things and look at things and just help with bridging a gap. Because what ultimately both find a way and the find a way in the arts, yep. I mean, judging kids like my judging people and kids in the yardsticks of their years or experience or knowledge yeah. versus your own, it bridges a gap of communication. Okay. Um, and I use communicate because I've learned more by listening than I've ever learned by talking. So it's helped me, you know, not to make an irrational decision, not say something stupid, you know, not so not do something that um, is not going to help the situation. It's probably going to erode the situation. So it's been truly helpful for me in, every aspect of parenting, coaching, and business. Yeah, that's a great story. I love it because you really kind of turned the situation around. Um, but you also helped your son kind of kind of help solve the problem, right? Yeah, well, well Kat, you know, I mean, you, you make a good point. Okay, let me ask you this. Let's reverse it. Let's just say I never grabbed that doorknob and have that mm -hmm. perspective. And I don't have mm -hmm. yardsticks of his years, not my yep. face. And I come out that door and I start tearing into him. Mm -hmm. 399. Are you kidding me? You know how hard I work for three. I mean, three, you're going to ruin your saw. And I go on this tirade and I got to wash these things. And I mean, yep. do you have any? Okay. First of all, at five years old, I don't really know if he's going to get 399. He doesn't really <laughs> get that I'm working. So, you know, like, yeah. yeah, it may, it may make me feel a lot better, but what have I accomplished? Yeah. Accomplished nothing. I mean, what I don't want to do and what I've never wanted to do, I don't want my kids to live in fear of me. Yep. I do want them to respect me. Um, and I believe I had that great balance with them, but I want to love them and teach them in the process, yep. you know, and I don't think a tongue lashing of their understanding of a workforce and what 399 means in a budget is going to matter at age five. No, I'd rather no. understand, Hey, listen, you're not faster. Just take the socks off and then you will be faster. <laughs> I love good. that. Everything's solved. Everything's yeah. solved. 
Yeah, yeah. You won't see him running in socks anymore. No, I never did again. I never did. Yeah. He thought he was that much smart. He's like, shoot, I don't right. just take my shoes off. I take my socks off because my dad told me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. And and again, you know, this is a just a great way of, of how you're just spinning it, right? So that it complements. And uh, again, as you said, there's no bashing or anything like that. But the lesson is still learned. I mean, either way, the lesson is learned. And it's probably way better in the delivery this way. Um, you talk about uh, things uh, when you're doing your speaking and you talk about the thing, the biggest thing that I have picked up is it's all about the mindset, right? Is, is that the focus that you're controlling the mindset, you're controlling what, how you act, how you react and how it shouldn't, the situation shouldn't control you. You should be controlling the situation, right? Is that, that, is that the focus? Yeah. Well, there? You know, I, I use find a way has inspired me to self-reflect. I think every, the, this is the two most important things that I have found for peaceful, successful people. Integrity mm-hmm. is number one. And I talk more about personal integrity and that's the ability to be honest with yourself, you know, to look in the reflection of the mirror. Yep. And at any point in your life, are you, are you, are you doing your part? Are, are you, are you getting everything out of your God given ability? And I am going to say, do it in reflection of the mirror. I mean that. Cause that's where I do it. And that's where I have yep. done it. Yep. Uh, I'm sure it could just be in, in, in the quiet of just you, but it's just gotta be you. Cause you're the yep. only one that knows the truth. Okay. You can't lie to yourself. Cause when you lie to yourself, you know, you're lying to yourself. Yep. Uh, and sometimes it is, have I done my part, you know, at the conclusion of something um, and having peace with the efforts that, that you put into it, you know, um, uh, having those, those type of, of things, um, but it all comes, and then the number, the second one is that, well, is the self-evaluation aspect. So integrity, the ability to self-evaluate, because self-evaluating allows you to open up yourself and then grow. Go, yeah. you know what? I'm not giving out, I'm not giving, getting everything out of my God-given ability. And I know I need to be doing A, B, then do A and B. Change that. Create yeah. a different course of plan. Create some action. And then take charge and go after that. You know, there was, in my journey um, when I was 12, um, you know, those words found a way inspired me to just go on a search. And I was actually yep. um, digging for things on Walter Payton, who was my favorite player, who was the all-time leading rusher in the National Football League at that time when I was a kid. But I, I, I accidentally stumble across a quote by Aristotle that ends up being the foundation of my journey. In fact, it is still one of the most powerful things that I think about and read to this day. I have it over on my wall. Uh, I emphasize it when I speak because it is so true and it is so powerful. But it is it, the quote is, we are what we repeatedly do. Therefore, excellence is not an act, but a habit. Now, if you, if you, if you read that or you hear it, you are what you repeatedly do. Think about that. That is so true. Good or bad. But that is 100% in control of every human being that's listening to you. You are what you repeatedly do. So whatever you choose to repeatedly do, then excellence is an act. Nobody stumbles out of bed one day and becomes excellent. Right. But you can be excellent. In fact, you can be anything that you want. And I tell people, you know, in the evaluation of excellence, you know, um, <clears throat> excellence does not mean that you're going to be the best in the history of your business or your profession or whatever craft you're in. Not might be. And good right. for you. And that's, that's great. 
But it goes back to that self-reflection aspect. Can you stand in front of a mirror at the end of the journey or at the end of a goal, the end of um, your part, and you can say, I did my part. Like if you can honestly say, I did my part, I don't care where you end up. You're excellent. Right. You've done your part. There's more that you, there's no more. You, you can only control what you're in control of. If you honestly do everything possible within your control, then you're excellent. I don't care what the results are. I right. do not care have peace with that. Yeah. Be comfortable with that. And I just think that gives you peace. So I've done. Uh, Oops. Oh, we're still here. Meryl had a little snafu. So uh, I'll just keep talking as he uh, hopefully comes back. Uh, let's just remove this. So again, we're talking to Meryl. Oh, there he is. Give me. <laughs> sorry. Okay, sorry. I had, a, I had a call come in. I'm yeah, sorry no worries. No worries. But, but going back to where we kind of were, just, yeah. you know, if, if you, it, at, the, at the end of the day, the worst, I think one of the most disturbing things to have to live with in life is regret. Yeah. And regret in things that we, we, we had an opportunity to go after something and we're like, ah, it's too hard. Yep. Yeah. I really don't, you know, I don't feel like doing it every day. Well, okay. Well, that's a choice. I, yes. You know, um, and that, that's a bad, that's a bad thing to have to live with is like, I didn't give everything I had. I didn't do my part. And that's the really responsibility we all have. Do your part. Yep. Give everything you got. And then wherever those chips are, man, to be peaceful with that. Yeah. And I just think you can find peace with that. And, I, and it didn't, it was more clear. It was the clearest example of that for me in my career. My career ended prematurely. I was mm -hmm. playing for the Chicago Bears. Um. For years, I mean, almost for five years, I literally would go into all the darkest spaces when I had to go cover the Super Bowl because I would punish myself because I didn't win one. I, I mean, okay. I would literally, it would be, what I'm telling you, a mental anguish for about a month, a week leading up to it, two weeks I had to go through it, and then the week after it. It was the hardest time for me um, when, you know, really, I got a job that, now, people talk about the National Football League. There's 1,900 jobs, okay? Yeah. 1,900. That is it. In television, there might be 100. So, actually, television and talking football, that might even be harder to accomplish than football. So, I got a job that, like, millions covet and would like to be at. And I'm in pain because I got to go cover the Super Bowl because I'm beating myself up every day. I'm beating myself up for what I didn't accomplish. Walter Payton was my favorite player. I didn't come close to doing the things he did. I would just beat myself up. And I was getting ready to go to the Super Bowl in Atlanta. And I remember it was actually Tom Brady won his first Super Bowl there when the Patriots beat the Rams. And I, I actually was looking in the mirror. I just got done brushing my teeth. I was getting ready to go to the airport. And I started to look at myself like, what, like, you know, a deep soul search, like what could you, what should, what, what should you have done more? What could have you done more of, you know, to really mm -hmm. accomplish those things that you did? And Kat, it was the first time I ever looked in the mirror in the, under, under these circumstances with this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you did your part. You did your part. You did everything you could possibly. Teams win championships. Individuals don't win championships. You did right. your part. You were always prepared. You played hard and you were uncommon every day. Every day, you never took a day. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm peace with that. I mean, I'm telling you, like a smile came over me, and it, like a weight just jumped off my shoulders. Like, oh my, I did my part. I'm not ashamed of that. 
I got the most out of my God-given ability. I'm not, I went down to that Super Bowl, I had the greatest Super Bowl ever. And then yeah. for the next 20 years, I had, I enjoyed every second of it because I let it go because I had done my part and yeah. I finally had peace. Oh, good. Good. I mean, on and one of the bullet points you sent me is you talk about taking action to attack your circumstances. So I think everybody can relate to that in regards to, um, you know, I'll give you my example. Like, uh, you know, my dad has a second grade education. My mom has a high school education. We were never like encouraged to go to college. You know, we were encouraged to get married and get out of the house, you know. But as a child, I always wanted to go to college. Right. I always wanted to go to college and I always wanted to be better. I think I wanted it so bad that I made it happen. Right. It's you have you have control. You you can take action. And the more it's like you said, mind over matter, the more that you can control it, the more that you will take action and the more you will facilitate. Right. At the end of the day. It's, it's so true. And and that's what, you know, when I speak, I, I'm trying to find that I'm assuming I'm assuming there's going to be people out there that are somewhat dormant. You know, they've they've just let the negativity set in. Yep. Um experience now listen circumstances everybody's got different circumstances some people got dealt a better hand than others okay at the end of the day that's irrelevant right you you have the hands you're dealt that's my point about do you control your mind or does your mind control you if you got a bad hand okay and i'm not saying i have a favorable hand i mean my we had nothing yeah i should say that we had, I had a, I had, I had a nice home. I had, I had a place to live, yep. but, but age 12, my dad, my parents told me, okay, if you want anything now going forward financially, we'll give you, we'll give you a room and board and lunch money. That's it. We don't buy school clothes. We don't do anything. We didn't have a lot of money. They didn't have yep. a lot of money. I worked for a farmer. I worked on a ranch. Well, at that point, are, are you going to sit there and go, boy, I got a bad hand. If you're going to sit and focus on a bad hand all day, you cannot think about changing that hand. Right. Because your mind's over here. Your mind can't do two things. That's why it's powerful that simple. If I'm going to feed myself negative things, if I'm only going to think about the bad hand I was dealt, I'm going nowhere. Yep. This is a toxic area to live in. You point fingers, you cast blame, you make excuses. You're not going anywhere there because you're stuck in this blender. Yep. However, you come over here and you take that integrity aspect, you mm-hmm. self-evaluate, you look at yourself and go, yeah, I don't have a lot. Nobody's given me anything. I'm going to have to dig myself out of here. Now, what am I going to do about it? Now, I'm not expecting you to know what to do. Shoot, that's happened to me many times. That's what Find A Way really to me has been so great about. It's usually used when you have no mission, you have no answer. Right. It's the unknown. Yeah. That means do something. Okay. Um, one of the things I've always found, I say I found hope in people all the time. I, I, I can give you stories upon story about where I found hope in people. Um, search somebody that's maybe done what you're dealing with or going through what you're going through. Um, do some research, ask questions. I mean, find out, start there. Yeah. Find out something that can be done. You might already know, hey, listen, well, I'm going to have to do this. Still lay in bed till 10 o'clock every morning. I'm going to have to get up at six. Okay, well, if you don't, if, if you already know that and you choose not to get up to do that, then that's, that's on you. Right. That, that's, that's where the regret comes. Oh, some yeah. later time in life. Don't live with that. Get up at six. 
Yeah. Go do what you need to do. Get that four hours where you're laying in bed and go get something done. Yeah. Go dig yourself out or make something that you have to do to make yourself better or get to where you've got to go. That's your responsibility. That is your 100% responsibility. It's nobody else's. Oh, no. Absolutely. Yours. And Absolutely. that's part of every aspect with that aspect. You know, I went, I was in, I had severe depression when my career ended. Um, the trauma that I had sustained, um, being in intensive care, I mean, having to learn again. I, I had a reading disorder when I was a kid, and that ironically was an area of big struggle for me. And I had to read, I had to learn how to do that. See, I know what it's like to sit on a couch. I know exactly what it's like to point fingers, cast blame, and make excuse for your where you are, where you are. I'm sitting on a couch in the middle of a football season. I just get my, I'm just retired, and I'm watching people do my job. Yeah. I've been doing that for 22 years and I have nothing. I have zero future. I can't give you one thing that I'm going to be able to go do, or even though I'd work some things in the off season, but it was the worst timing because at the end of the season it's different. It's over and you can have six months before it re comes back to play. Well, and now it's in right. the middle of the season and I'm watching. So it couldn't have been a worse state. I understand that state. I understand that thought process because I was there. But it wasn't until laying on a couch in one of the darkest days I've ever had, and I realized, wait a minute, there was a spark. It was like, you have responsibility. Get your butt up. Return a call or make a call. And that find a way, really, those, those words again, like, they do something to me. They inspire right. that thing that everybody has to do. Then it's it inspired action. It was, but it wasn't until I realized I'm responsible here. I got to yep. do something. And it's funny how like, yeah, I mean, not funny, the, the irony of it. Then all mm -hmm. of a sudden I return a call. All this, I make a call. All of a sudden I've been working on broadcasting, you know, for like almost 10 years I was in the NFL. I get a call from Lynn Swan to meet him um, and his, the, the crew, Tom, Keith Jackson and, uh, and Greasy were, were the main college crew in Champaign, Illinois. I was with the Bears at the time, so I had somebody drive me down. I spent two days with him uh, and their crew um, to learn about broadcasting from that aspect and meeting different people. So once I realized I'm responsible and I had to start doing something is when things changed. If I'm laying on that couch, I never got off that couch, Cat, I don't know. To, I can't tell you what's going to happen, but it ain't right. good. All right. It's All right. not good. Yeah. No, this is awesome. And it's excellent, uh, Meryl. And uh, I love the information that you have shared with us. And I uh, want people to connect with you. What, how, how can people connect with you? Well, um, they can always go to my website. My website is really open to, you know, people comment and, you know, getting a hold of me if they want. And it's just MerylHodge.com. And that's M-E-R-R-I-L-H-O-G-E.com. I have to spell it because both my names are spelled differently than Merrill Lynch has two L's. I have yep. one. Yep. Um, it, it's, it's Hodge pronounced like Dodge, but no yep. B in it. So yep. Yep. I have to now people through, through that. That's and, awesome. and they yep. can, and I do a lot of stuff on LinkedIn. I, I, I love doing that. There's, I think there's just great connections there and business stuff that, that really help, you know, um, yep. people in all and, facets, including myself with it. So yeah. And what kind of communities are you typically speaking to? Are you at corporate events? What, you know, where, where who's typically getting you to speak? A majority of my events are corporate events, okay. but 
I do, I do a lot of fundraising stuff, cancer, yes. cancer, you know, around cancer and open heart surgery. Yep. Uh, I mean, American Heart Association, cancer, leukemia, lymphoma society. So, um, and I, I'm passionate about sports and the mental health, the physical and emotional um, space and head trauma. You know, I think yep. that has gotten, that, that's a really messy world and it's very confusing and mostly because it's, people don't understand it and anything that you don't understand is confusing, but when you understand it, it's very sim simple and understandable, but there's a difference between physical and emotional. And actually there's more emotional trauma in our country and the things we're dealing with now than physical trauma. Yeah. But the great thing about it is there's a great, amazing care. Just the things that can be done and help people is amazing. And that gets neglected and gets ignored. And it's this doom and gloom. And I'm trying to help fight through that doom and gloom because there is so much hope and there is so much help in that area. And yep. it is, it has got grotesquely overlooked by, by the media perspective and how they have presented it. And you gotta be careful when you hear stuff in the, in the media about that, you know, you gotta, you gotta be skeptical enough to do some research and do your own digging to find out what the real facts and understandings are, but hopefully it'll direct you towards the care and the whole, the care that's out there, the treatments are, that are out there and the availability for all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I know that you have a big part in the whole head injury prevention uh, initiatives that are in place. So, and that's fantastic. So if anybody's tuning in and they're part of that, um, I'm sure that they can connect with you in regards to that as well. Um, fantastic. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, thank you again for joining me. It was great learning more about your story. My pleasure. And and uh, find a way, which is, like I said, fantastic and, uh, again, beneficial to anybody. And I hope that uh, a few of anybody who's tuned in uh, checks you out, maybe uh, reaches out to you, and maybe there's some opportunities for speaking, which would be fantastic. Okay, well, I appreciate it. Thanks for letting me be on your platform. And good luck to you and everything that you continue to do for people. Thanks for your help. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for tuning in to Stand Out and Grow. I hope that you uh, took away a lot of great information and I hope that this was very enjoyable to you as well in regards to learning more about Merrill and what he's doing and all the great things um, that he has overcome and um, with the adversity. And I, I, it's just a powerful story. And um, if you go to his website, you'll listen to some of his speaking and he's just really, really good at it. So uh, hopefully you will connect to him. Uh, as I wrap this up and end this, as I always say, you got this. And until next time, uh, tune in every uh, Monday uh, for my live podcast. And uh, next week, I'll have another guest. And um, I can't think of her name right now. But if you uh, stay connected with me on social media, you'll find out who that is. Thank you again so much. And um, see you until next time. I'll see you then. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Stand Out and Grow. Check out all the notes and links at www.standoutandgrow.com. I am so thankful to you for helping this show continue to grow. I want to keep producing content that you want to hear, so please leave me some feedback. I look forward to bringing you more resources and information to help your business stand out and grow.
Please follow us on social media and make sure you follow this podcast so you can learn more about helping your business stand out, survive, succeed, and grow. Until next time, you got this. Advertise helps businesses stand out and grow with affordable advertising options. We will help you make good business decisions so you can save money and not just throw it against the wall to see if it sticks. Get your free strategic advertising analysis today so you can see the opportunities to stand out and grow your business. Visit www.standoutandgrow.com offers page to learn more.